0: Really bring the bigger voice of audio and hospitality to the world. I think that's my, my biggest goal is like giving the industry that is so big, but so small. Like when I tell people, friends, I just meeting or even like family members, hospitality, they, they don't quite understand what's involved in hospitality. They think of a hotel, they think of a restaurant, but they don't really know the inner workings on the B2B side. And so I think really giving that, that side of voice is uh
1: Welcome to another episode of the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I am very excited to have my friend, Will Slickers, founder of Hospitality FM and also co-founder and CEO of Recreation Rentals. Welcome to the podcast, Will. Steve,
0: my man. so good to be on the show. Very excited and honored to be on your podcast. Uh, So it's really exciting to be here. Thanks.
1: And for all the listeners out there, Will is... uh, one of the reasons I'm out there podcasting, I'm lucky enough to be on his platform. So I'm excited to have you on here today to talk more about that towards the end. But first, yeah. we'll get into your journey. Definitely. So we always ask the first question here on the show. What was your first job in hospitality that made you really fall in love with the industry? But what was the first one?
0: Yeah, no, the first one was the one that made me fall in love with hospitality. I never knew, like I always had a passion for people, but I never knew that there's a place or an industry or a job that I could really use that to my advantage in the sense of having fun with work. Uh, I always looked at work as a as work. You know, it just sucked. I didn't want to go. Uh, it paid the bills, but at the end of the day, I wasn't excited about anything. Um, so my first job, I was a front desk agent at the Davenport Hotels in Spokane, Washington. So the one that I started was pretty new. I think it was maybe almost two years old, and it was a four diamond resort uh, mm-hmm. with. Little, little limited service in the sense of like room service and everything but you know we had valet we had two bars we had uh 60, square foot of event space seven hundred rooms like it was a big hotel and it was my first one ever and uh somehow the manager hired me on the spot with no experience and uh as it goes in the industry it got kind of thrown to the walls but i honestly fell in love with
1: hospitality through that job so how old were you when you started there at the front desk
0: I think I was just 20, like halfway through my 21st year of life and about getting ready to go into my 22nd. Uh, so, you know, still, still very young, uh, yeah. but I just, I pretty much just failed at my first entrepreneur journey before then, which was a show for an event company. So after a year of having that open, I closed it and I remember picking up guests at that hotel. And just looking at the the ambiance in the lobby, the shining lights, a really cool fireplace, the the cocktail drinks, and everyone just looking all fun and excited. And just that, I don't know, there's something about a life inside of a lobby. And uh, that's what kind of got me thinking. I was like, well, I should go work there. I have the suit and tie. You know, I have all the stuff that you kind of need to look the part. So why not go apply? And I did. And it was the, it was the best decision I made.
1: Well, hold on. I want to go back now. So you were doing a company at 20 years old of doing events and chauffeuring people to events is that we tell me about that
0: so i started off i had a lot of friends asking like hey can i like hire you to help plan?" because i was an event planner with harley davidson for uh for a couple years and it was really fun like we did a lot of cool local events where we had police and uh fire stations and army people show up for a career day and like all the harley people brought in their kids and we had live music and catering and all the stuff it was really fun and so after that, I had a lot of people ask me like, hey, can you help me with my wedding? Like, I don't need you to be the wedding planner, but I would love like some just logistic help. And then um, I had this car, right, that I took a loan on and it was driving people around because like I can pay off my my car payment if I do like some chauffeur services. Granted, didn't really know how big Uber was going to become. And <laughs> so uh, the chauffeur side was my main priority. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And uh, long story short, couldn't keep up, you know, when you go to a, a big arena or some kind of event stadium with a sign <laughs> holding saying "Show First services and people are already looking at their phones for their Uber driver to pick them up. Uh, it just didn't work. So at the end of the day, that was my first, first like real entrepreneur experience and then decided to, you know, figure out what to do after that. And if I right. well,
1: you, It sounds like you were always in like hospitality because you're doing events at Harley Davidson already. So I count that as your first hospitality kind of experience yeah. right
0: i never looked at it that way just because i was doing a lot of the marketing i was helping them with their social media and you know it was just kind of i kind of got pulled into it i guess i don't know it was a very unique situation
1: but i'm stamping that as your first so okay. we're going to change that up that is your first okay. there okay. all right so then you fall into hotels at front desk which i've never done mm-hmm. um but it's always one of the hardest do you remember your first day oh yeah that position what was that like at first front desk you're you just started at this mega hotel i was
0: shocked shocked on the software i was like looking at this check-in software i'm like dude this looks like 1995 like old dial-up like i don't know i was so confused uh and it took a while to adjust i actually remember making a comment to my manager and be like why does it look like this why does it look so (laughs) old and uh he was like this is just what we use for marriott as part of the autograph collection which is uh individually owned operated properties but they have the flagship of of the brand um and so I was just really confused on the software, but then I just remember like my manager, (laughs) he was like, I need you to learn this. So, like, here's the columns that you kind of go in, like first and last name, ID, credit card, verifying the nights, the room type, and then of course, like any extra notes and stuff that you need to know. And so I'm just like constantly looking at my screen, just like trying to figure out he's doing all the talking with the guests for me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, it's my first day. And they're, you know, most people are very nice. And then eventually after like the second or third day, he's like, all right, I need you to do all the talking and the computer work. And I was like, what? <laughs> we have check-ins today and I need to do all this by myself? Um, yeah, it was, you know, you know how it is. We get thrown to the wolves in the industry. It's kind of just like, all right, here's a couple of days worth of training maybe and go have it. So you learn very quickly.
1: Yeah, sink or swim a lot of the times, but front desk is always the hardest to me because you really, you check people in and just handle all the complaints. It's not very much. Hey, you're doing a great job today. Will appreciate you
0: very much. And then like, you just have to, I think you and I kind of understand this a little bit. If it's a smaller, like holiday in brand, you're not really doing a lot of the coordinating between different departments, but with that type of brand, like you really are like, you're on the radio with valet, you're talking to room service, you're talking to the bar manager, you're making sure that, you know, this gold member is getting his drink voucher instead of his, his bonus points and all this stuff. Like you're like managing all these stuff in between and just, and you have constant people in your Like I had a radio piece in my ear that, you know, security would radio up to us and be like, Hey, this guest is blacklisted from the hotel. Why are you checking them in? I'm like, I don't know. There's no
1: <laughs> freaking sign. doesn't I, say it in the 95 program software here. I don't see it anywhere.
0: Exactly. So it was just like, it's, there's so much happening behind a hotel that a lot of people like my family didn't understand they're like oh you must have the easiest job i'm like yeah there's days i want to go home and pull my hair out and probably drink myself mm-hmm. uh, away but that's uh you know <laughs> different story for another day but it, it was just definitely it's definitely a lot to take in and you know?
1: well you did that for like two and a half years right and then you start to transition what was the next step after that after being at front desk at that hotel
0: well that's the part where things really did shift for me in my career in the sense of like, I want, like in the beginning I was just like, Hey, this is paying the bills. I I'm having fun with these people at the front desk. You know, it's great. But then I fell in love with the behind the scenes, the revenue management. How can we get strategic? How can we place people? How can we really make experiences? There's so many moments that I got to, to witness at that front desk. Like I literally got to have people like I got to, there was this one guy who's visiting his daughter in hospice and he was, I think he was in in his seventies. And so it was very sad, like, you know, you're in your seventies, he's already having health issues himself. And then he had to go visit his daughter who was pretty much passing away. And, you know, this is not a cheap hotel, but it was during a slow season. So we were able to give him some better discounted rates, but then just to be able to like have a heart to heart conversation with him and like cry and hug and just, you know, say, I'm here for you. Yeah. That's when I was like, this is what I want to do. So, um, I started seeking mentorship no pun intended for the podcast, but uh, I was starting to seek mentorship with my my managers, my directors, all that stuff. And at that big of scale hotel, like it's really hard to get people to invest some time in you, whether it's 30 minutes, an hour or whatever. And I always showed up early in case there was an opportunity. I was there sometimes almost two hours early to my shift and I would just kind of wait. And they're like, hey, if you want to clock in, you can. But I was like, uh, I was kind of hoping like we could spend some time in the back office and like talk about some stuff that I don't get to really do long story short, didn't really get that.
1: And so that's at, that's at the Davenport, right? Yeah. At the yeah. Davenport
0: and mm-hmm. great, great company to this day. I still love yeah. everyone there. I still visit as often as I can. Um, but then I moved to the Oregon coast seeking a smaller independent boutique option. thinking that that mentorship would be there. And so, um, I made that move and it was a good move. Uh, I didn't stay with the first company that brought me over, um, uh, I st- they, they gave me employee housing and all this stuff for like about three months. and then I got my own apartment and stayed with them probably for about nine months. But there was some management shifts going on, and it was just kind of like, hey, it's probably just better to get out, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started as a supervisor at the River Tide Suites Hotel and uh, quickly got promoted to the foM position. And then, um, yeah, that was my last position before. Going into what I'm in now.
1: So when you were there, I, I always like hearing about this transition, right? So you were hourly, you're at the front desk, you made a couple moves, and then you get your first manager role. Mm-hmm. What was that like? That's a big jump for the first time when you become a manager the first time. I, I remember I was terrible, and I had my team members pull me aside and say you're the worst, and gave me all the reasons why I sucked. And I still thank them because they're still friends of mine today. Uh, but I remember that clearly was what was it like for you when you started?
0: It was a big shift, I think. I didn't realize how time-consuming it was going to be. I lived right next door, like, not even kidding. The hotel, there was a, like, recovery home-type scenario for rehab, and then there was my condominium, which was right there. Um, and so I was literally hop, skip, and a jump away. I should have negotiated a higher salary Yep. because I definitely think I got screwed over on that one. No offense if anyone from uh, River is listening. But, uh no, it was a big jump in the sense of, like, I – was still really young. Uh, and a lot of my coworkers in a small coastal town were a lot older than me. They had a lot more years behind the front desk or in housekeeping or maintenance. So there was a, there was a rough transition there. Um, uh, just being younger in mm-hmm. the management leadership position, telling people what to do after, you know, not telling what people do like a tyrant, but more or less like kind of calling the shots. And, uh, we did really good. I, I am proud of some of my stuff at management, which was that we exceeded all of our revenue revenue numbers since I took over. So we were not only exceeding our guest service scores, but our revenue count per, uh, per month, per quarter, all that stuff was incredible. We had amazing upsells. We had amazing, just everything in that aspect, but projects in the sense of, I don't know, trying to think of all the, the trainings and the, you know, the other things that kind of like go through with management people have, Certain time off requests and scheduling and all that stuff, I was horrible at because I was so focused on the big picture. And the one thing I hated, which was my desk was in the middle of the lobby. So as a manager, you're right there in the middle of the lobby. That's rough. And you get pulled every direction. I had no time to really do any computer work. So granted, yeah, I was manager, but I still felt like a front desk agent. I was running around. I was inspecting. I was up and down the hallways. I was in the maintenance room. I was you know in the pool room doing all this stuff like it was just constant constant move move move, go 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 which is fine um but at the end of the day a lot of my admin work kind of slipped
1: how big was that hotel the river tide
0: uh 70 unit condominium hotel so it was all apartment it was a it was a hybrid hotel basically if you look at it, it was, you know you had studios but everyone had a kitchen a jetted tub and a balcony all
1: Right. so for people like because I, I worked in boutique and large right what was the biggest difference to you cuz you came from a 700 room mega hotel yeah. 70 room suite hotel basically what what did you see as the biggest difference when you switched resources
0: the ability like i was literally doing everything as a manager versus the front desk agent i was pretty much planted behind that front desk. Granted, I like to get out of the, the front desk and kind of go walk around and collect glasses and kind of do some other filler stuff. But yeah, the, the lack of resources, You're they're paying you a salary for a reason because they don't have to hire all these other positions that you had. You, you never had uh, in a 70 unit. You don't have a floor runner, really. You have housekeeping. And if, if something gets missed or forgotten, guess what? They're not going back. They're they're cleaning. They're, they're trying to hit their metrics for, for their their clean. So you're kind of SOL and you got to go do it yourself. So
1: So looking back at the two, which do you prefer? If you had to pick a hotel to go to now between those two, where are you going? I'm going back to the Davenport for sure.
0: I would, I would definitely go back. I think that environment is way more, it's more collaborative. Yeah. You're, you're still kind of pinched culture, not culturally, but corporately when the sense that you have certain HR and certain other policies and things in place. But I think at the end of the day, you're a lot more supported.
1: Right. Yeah. So now you leave that hotel. twenty nineteen, you start venturing out, entrepreneur at Lich again, right? Yep. Yep. what happens next? So you decide to leave? Why did you decide to leave?
0: So the podcast, so long story short, like the when I left Spokane and the Davenport, I started my podcast in Cannon Beach, Oregon uh, almost four years ago today. So uh, wow. March of two thousand and eighteen mm-hmm. right yeah, two thousand and eighteen. Uh, is when I started to like, talk the hospitality podcast, and I was just doing it out of boredom. I was curious. I wanted to listen to podcasts that had more of a younger audience and wasn't really finding that. So I was just like, I'm going to try it myself. It was solo. Like, I had no guests. I didn't know what to do um, in this like type of format.
1: Yeah, so, what were you talking about? 2018, this is now four years ago. Podcasts were kind of going, but not huge.
0: I was kind of like talking about OTAs and, you know, like brand, like back to the basics. I was always talking about the basics, right? Like, I felt like, the more I grew in, in my position, in my career, we were always forgetting the basics. It was like, we're always thinking about this fit, like bigger thing. And it was like, that doesn't really matter if we don't have this basic core down, down to a science. Right. And so there was a lot of stuff like that. And then eventually I had my first guest reach out and it was like, well, this is weird. How did you find me? Like, I only have like 20 listeners right now. Like you're, you, you're one of those 20 listeners. It's crazy. So the podcast really just started taking off where I was
1: At, uh, Who was the first person on the podcast?
0: Uh, Adam Knight,
1: my business partner
0: now in recreation rentals. So, wow. Yeah. We've been small world. It is. And he, you know, he was like, I'm a 20 year veteran in the hotel space, worked for St. Regis and all these other big brands. And I was like, why the hell do you want to be on my show? Because yeah. I'm not a big name. I'm some front desk person. And, you know, uh, and what do like, he say? Oh, he was just like, no, I really love like, your style of the podcast it was just different and i was like okay that's really awesome let's create a series together and so we did three episodes and uh did about you know leadership and then we did one you know service versus hospitality what's the difference and then we did a i don't remember what the third one was it was so long ago but anyways we did three and it went really well like we both got good feedback from the small audience listenership that i had and uh that that's i honestly think what took it off. And then I started constantly getting more and more guest requests. And then I kind of got into the vacation rental world because I found a castle that was back in my hometown that was on the vacation rental market.
1: Now you're going too fast. We're going backwards now. All, All right, right. You're doing an awesome podcast. Yeah. You're, you're crushing it. Yeah. You got your first guest on there and somewhere in between a castle pops up. So I need to find out how were you looking for a castle or you just I'm said,
0: sure. I someone just, said, "Hey, I was just on Facebook and I was scrolling and I saw this video ad of a castle in Arlington, Washington. I was like, that's pretty much right where I grew up. Like, mm-hmm. How did I not know about this? So I reached out to them. I was like, I would love to interview you. And just like, this is so cool. Like, who can say they have a castle near their hometown? And uh, the, the manager said yes. And started going into the vacation rental world, the differences between hotels and vacation rentals. And that's when I was like super fascinated in the sense of this is huge. This is solving a lot of problems on the hotel side. I felt vacation rentals were very into the new tech and uh, willing to adopt and and become a little bit more creative in operations and that's when that bug kind
1: of took over that's awesome and so did you work with that castle
0: for a little bit yeah yeah we did so we did a little bit of work together um we started taking on some vacation rental management contracts in the sense of luxury scale so big mansions and and you know other castles we found another one and all this other stuff and uh it was good it was really good i love
1: it so you you started the podcast while you were working at at the river tide yep. right then podcast is going well mm-hmm. when did you decide to leave the river tide how would what's that portion of it because you started doing vacation rentals or you start getting the itch to do it is that kind of what happened
0: started doing vacation rentals but it got to the point where i started doing more podcasts on the vacation rental industry and one day i woke up and the podcast was listed in the top 10 podcasts to listen to for vacation rental operators and I was like, I barely covered vacation rentals in my show. Like, I mm-hmm. just started going into it. And that company was based out in Scotland. And so I was like, Hey, this is really interesting that I'm already listed at this. Like I would, I only had a couple hundred listeners an episode. It's so like, yeah, there's an audience there, but I don't think I was technically the top 10, uh, you know, vacation rental ones. But anyways, reached out to them. And I was like, Hey, thank you so much for you know, that article. That was really great. I would love to interview you. Let's have you on the show. And, uh, that call turned into a series, a 10 episode, 10 week series, not with just them, but they were going to be one of the first ones, um, to be featured. And so I found the other 10 or so, um, vacation rental companies, whether they're tech providers or operators or influencers in the space, and said, I want you to be on the mastermind series and let's create this. And then that's when I got my first sponsorship round of advertising on the show. And that was when the light bulb clicked when I wanted to live leave, leave Rivertide because I made 10 grand in one month when my salary was only about thirty five hundred before tax. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a big difference. And that sponsorship inquiry kept coming in that never stopped. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's when I took that's when I was like, okay, my salary. Versus sponsorship revenue is completely different. And if I can sustain this, which I think I can, and I'm, I'm like figuring it out. If I create more series like this, or if I do whatever, then I think I can definitely sustain it. And uh, so I gave three weeks notice at the hotel and said, I will help you transition anybody, whatever you want. They fought for me to stay. I kept rejecting. And then my last day was December 27th, 2019.
1: See again. There's some things people could learn from this. One, just get started, right? You just tell people get started. If you want to do a podcast, do a podcast. If you want That's to it. sell NFTs, sell NFTs. Whatever it might be, just start doing something because you never know where it's gonna go. Yeah. But for you, were people telling you you're crazy? Because I'm sure you told them, "Hey, I'm gonna be doing this podcast thing." And they're like, "What?" Hundred <laughs>
0: percent. My managers and like the managing director and the, even the owner like called me like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Like we know, we knew, they knew about the podcast. They, they knew it was something I, I like doing outside of work. But and like, even my parents, like to this day, do not get what I do for a living. They're like, what? Like it's a podcast. Like you're doing this full time. Um, and it's been full time for two years now. Like it's, I'm happy to say that it was the best decision of my life. Um, and I didn't know I'd become more passionate about audio more than I was about operations in a hotel or, or just hospitality in general. So uh, people told me I was crazy. But I did have a couple friends, you know, reach out and just say, you know, this makes you happy. I, I struggled with depression a lot. So like um mm-hmm. I had seasonal depression, especially out on the West Coast. Like you have nine months of rain basically. Thanks. Um so it's it's constantly like just a gloom season where it's just gray and misty and rainy and windy and stormy and all this other stuff. So I was struggling with depression. actually, before I even moved from Spokane to the coast, I had a friend when I I told her about the podcast idea. I was like, Hey, I, I love TED Talks. TED Talks motivate me. Um, I should come up with a slick talk, but not like in a motivational sense, but just like a podcast, like in the sense of you know, talking about you know, struggles in life. And she was like, Oh, no, that won't work. You need to be like you need to be in the industry for like 20 years, you need to become an expert um you need to do this this and this and it's such a stupid idea don't do it and i walked away with like damn that was that was a little harsh but yeah you know i moved and a couple months later i did it so yeah it
1: was just little... never know you know there's just people who tell you things they and they think they have the best outlook on you but it's holding you back a lot of time so i, I tell that to people all the time like if you have something you want to do just try it see if you even like it
0: 100 and the biggest thing that got me through especially because like december 27th 2019 then you have March of 2020 where right. the world shut down. The number one thing that got me through it was sink or swim, sink or swim, sink or swim. You have no choice. You have no choice to like, you cannot go back. You, you cannot let others that have said negative things about your journey, make an impact on you going back and giving up. And thankfully I had like the national guard to fall back on. So I got activated for COVID orders. So that was like replacing a lot of my income. Um, but at the end of the day, everything bounced back to, pretty quickly i would say for at least me i started recording episodes again in april and that's when life started to kind of normalize a little bit more i think yeah, yeah.
1: so in between that i want to get back previous to pandemic hitting so you're doing your podcast you started a vacation rental company
0: mm-hmm.
1: right mm-hmm. and then did you sell it or did it shut down what, what happened with that one what was ex- the name of that one
0: um that one's called stay lux and i exited um great partners um, going into the luxury space, it was really good. But at the end of the day, like I, with COVID and all the other things that kind of happened, it would just made more sense that I just focused on the podcast and the media, um, mm-hmm. where I was more passionate about. Um, I was doing a lot of the tech and operation behind the scenes in Stay Lux. And it just, you know, it was, I still love it. Like that stuff was super fun. But at the end of the day, I knew what I wanted to do. And it was like, all right, I want to go in media. So that's, that's just kind of a, it was an easy, excuse for me to say, you know what? I love you guys. I support you, but this is what I need to go do.
1: And then you're in the national guard, right? Cause I, we skipped over that, but right. Yeah, so- I was,
0: I was at the time I'm no longer in, I, I got out October 24th.
1: Wow, so you had a lot going on in a very compressed amount of time. Right. Yeah. So you're helping out the country, getting things together. When the world starts collapsing in March, 2020, Yep. you get back in April, start doing your podcast again mm-hmm. and your podcasting. And that's where I think I kind of started watching what you were doing was around that time. because I got sent home in March, 2020 for three months. And that was like the first time where I was like, Whoa, you know, I had been a business owner before. And now I'm at a hotel where they're like, you got to go home. I was like, I need to start creating some stuff of my own. Yeah. And that's when like, Hey, I want to do a podcast and Hey, I want to start a coffee company and Hey, I want to get back into vacation rentals. Right. And so all that started percolating around that. What was happening with you during that time? When you started up again in April through this, this tough time in this country.
0: Well, I was still on COVID orders, so that's the thing. I was on COVID orders for about seven months, so I was living out of a hotel room, traveling the the state of Washington, uh, setting up COVID testing sites, and we were doing a majority of the testing for the, the state. Um, so we were testing. We were actually the first government party to uh, work with a, 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 ne- a Native American tribe for the first time in over two hundred years, um, wow. and we got the whole t- uh, tribe tested. And so while we're doing all this like testing and pop-ups and travel. Um, I was still recording. I was recording like maybe three or four episodes a week in my hotel room with a little microphone and, and just trying to you know keep the, keep the brand alive. And so after that was done, Oh shoot. When was it? So seven months, uh, anyways, it was getting at the, the ends of 2020 and I, and I went home and just kind of was like, okay, I need to, I need to figure out what this looks like moving forward companies weren't really spending as much in the marketing department yet. But, um, I think with the the core partnerships that I formed, it really just was like, Hey, I'll, whatever they wanted, I will do it. And I wasn't, I was spending more money than I was making, but I was just really tapping in that savings account. And, uh, I just knew there was going to be a point it was going to shift. Right. So like, just, I, I became obsessed. I'm still, I am obsessed. Like that. My roommates hate when I talk about <laughs> podcasts because that's all I talk about is, you know, HFM talking about your stuff, talking about the team, talking about everything else. And it just goes into it. But, um, I really just put my head down and became literally obsessed with podcasts and audio and the industry and connecting and building relationships.
1: I love it. And so then when does recreation rentals come into the window? So you're podcasting and now you've got this new company you formed during this time, right? Yeah. How does that come onto the radar?
0: Um, so, Adam Knight and I so, were good friends. He started a podcast and was really helping him out. And, and you know.
1: So, Adam Knight, your first guest on your podcast ever. Yep. yep. Circles back. And now you're going to become oh. business partners, right?
0: We stay connected after our, our shows together, which was really cool. Like, we, I've, the one thing I noticed about my early days, a lot of my guests that were first on the first year, the first two years, we became really solid friends. Like, 100% still talk to a lot of them almost monthly, if not biweekly or weekly. So that was really cool. It became like a community. And so Adam, uh, being the creative man he is, and he also was furloughed from uh, a nice hotel company, right? So he was like, I keep hearing you talk about vacation rentals. What is, what's up with this? Like you used to be a hotel guy and you never talk about hotels anymore. I'm like, well, I love hotels, but this is where I see things going. and, And this is what a vacation rental is and Airbnb and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, interesting, you have time to chat. And so we chatted and he's like, I think we could really bring in the 30 years of experience that we have and, and make a difference. And I thought about it because I know the potential abilities of a, a vacation rental management company. Um, I also know the downside of a vacation rental management company as you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know what, if I'm going to continue to be in the vacation rental space and the media stuff, granted, now we're in all hospitality as, You can tell Hospitality FM is not just one segment. But if I'm going to continue to interview these founders and, you know, experts and just kind of understand the the lay of the land uh, from the hotel world and the vacation rental world, I think it would be great to to have a company so I can apply everything I talk about. I don't want to say I used to do this with Stay Lux. I used to do that. I I was 25, 26. I was like, I should not be saying I used to do this stuff when I'm interviewing people that have been doing something for 20, 30 years. And so we created the brand recreation rentals based off of the PNW core that we had granted with it being nine months of rain, it is a beautiful place in the summer and spring and winter, even if you are a skier, or snowboarder. So yeah, that's kind of how the company formed. And we, we didn't really know where we wanted to take it. We just knew we wanted to create a cool brand that was experiential, right? We didn't want to just be heads and beds. We didn't want to just be a scalable company that launches and then all of a sudden has, you know, a thousand properties under its belt. Uh, we wanted to take some time with it. We wanted to focus on experience. And that was kind of what we did for the first six months uh, with one property. We just you know, mastered our systems, created a good tech stack, and then we started doing owner outreach. And now we're at nine properties right now. So nothing crazy, but for us, it's, it's good because we have a good team and we've been able to keep that five-star service uh, across the board from properties in Florida to Washington and a few other places. So it's pretty nice.
1: That's awesome. And you mentioned something about the guest experience. So I just had on the uh, the podcast uh, a woman named Victoria Taylor who does experience consulting for all different types of hotels and vacation rentals and brands. And we were talking about what we think is very important is the guest experience. How do you look at that in your company? What is the guest experience mean to you? Is it just that it's clean and ready to go or do you do something else?
0: No, like clean and ready to go is is the basic. Like that that needs to be a standard across the board for everybody. I don't care if you're a motel, a hostel or a vacation rental, like Mm -hmm. that is basics. If you can't provide that, you shouldn't be in business. So for us, what experiential meant was, granted COVID is still, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty still. When were things going to open up when were people going to really start traveling, international travel, all that stuff? And so kind of going into the virtual side, uh, experiential hospitality for us meant that from the booking experience, like from the time that they booked, granted, creating a great listing on Airbnb and all the platforms, Verbo, whatever. But the moment they booked, they got a great welcome message. They got a great pre-arrival message. that had all the details they needed. No, Granite, even though in the industry, we know not everybody reads. So yep. <laughs> providing all the details as needed in the yeah. best format possible. Um, and then of course, cleanliness, but then the one thing that we've been doing, and it was just something small, was every guest filled out a pre-arrival form and it would kind of like, Hey, what's the reason for your trip? You know, just something like every good hospitality person should, you know, kind of ask. Yes. And a lot of them would fill out anniversary, getaway, staycation all the stuff. And so one thing that we were really looking at was what's in our local market. We had a local coffee roaster. We had a, um, we had, well, we have, we have a great like catering company, private chef opportunity, great tap room. There's a lot of good little small local business opportunities to to execute on. So we created packages and just simple, you know, here's, here's a coffee mugs with your first bag of coffee on us. Go check them out get 20% off.
1: That's awesome.
0: We partnered with the local catering company and said, Hey, give us your top three menu items like meals. Let's create a video of how to make it. So we sat down with the chef and they would go one by one, step by step on how to make the certain dish. We wrote everything down. We took notes of all the ingredients, all the tools needed, everything that went into it. And then we had virtual packages that these guests actually could buy Saying I want to do a romantic dinner, and we want to have a great breakfast, whatever that menu item may be. And then that video was then sent to them via email. They had welcomed upon entry uh, all the amenities and or, or items, whether they need to be refrigerated or if they didn't need to be, they need to be in a basket, and a great just handwritten card saying thank you so much for participating in our experience. We hope that you fi- enjoy this company uh, that is very local. So if you really like it, like go check out the restaurant. And
1: that was a huge hit. Huge yeah i love that i've never heard that that's an awesome one
0: well it well i got the idea from um a company that was doing something like this with their room service it was uh in a hotel in oregon and they were doing the virtual room service basically like you could order it ahead of time um but it's through video and and through some you know they had some kitchens and other things like that so you could do it in your in your room
1: basically i love that yeah. that's awesome
0: so yeah, that, that's like the overall experiential thing. So that that's just one thing on the virtual side. But really, how can we you know, go further? How can we go deeper? How can we partner with better and bigger companies in, in markets um, and offering more just than, than heads and beds, right? The rule that we always say is we don't want to be heads and beds company. Um, occupancy should never matter on our side of experience. So we're all just kind of focused on that.
1: I love hearing that because there's so many that are the heads and beds, and you see it, and it gives the a bad name. I've had that experience. We talked about that on, I think, on your show, where I had a bad experience with a major vacation rental company. I couldn't get any help, and paying a ton of money. I was shocked. That's why I'm I'm really happy to hear you doing that. So you're doing vacation rentals, but you're all in on audio. And now you've got hospitality FM that starts to take shape. I want to hear how that starts taking shape because you had your show, you're working on some others, but now you're really putting this together, Walk me through what's going on now.
0: Um, so I have my two podcasts, slick talk, and then good morning hospitality. I've, you know, I've been doing it for almost, like I said, almost four years for slick talk. And then uh, good morning hospitality just passed its year. And I, I don't know what really clicked and what started, but you know, a while ago, me and some other podcaster friends, uh, out in australia and in london and in the u.s kind of formed a group and we're like hey we should do monthly you know podcast recordings together like collaborations and then all this other stuff and create a network and i was like oh this is a great idea but logistically it was really hard we were all weren't in the right like timing i guess like time is everything and uh so we just kind of put the idea back on back on the on the shelf you know we're just like yeah, it's not gonna work it's it's too much we're all too busy blah 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 and uh I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, and I was like, "Would a podcast network really be adopted? Like, would that be accepted in the industry? You know, because we got so many individuals doing their own thing, and I, and I didn't want to tread on that. You know, I didn't want to ruin someone else's brand because you know we put them under a network or something like that. So, anyways, the idea sat there. I go to San Antonio for the VRMA International Conference uh, for the first time, my first in-person event since COVID, and just really was there to solidify the relationships we built over the last two years. And um, that's when I started getting tons of messages from like before that, even I was getting tons of messages from sponsors that like, Hey, we want to be a part of your podcast. Um, How can we partner up? And I already had a lot of long-term contracts in the works or already active. So I was like, look, I'm not Joe Rogan. I can't put 20 minutes of ads right there. You know, um, it's just not going to work. I'm sorry. So I realized I was a little capped out on my podcast revenue um so anyways i'm trying to get
1: i like this i like this all this stuff keep going
0: okay okay so uh i'm in san antonio getting all these messages from sponsors saying hey we'd love to meet up with you in person let's grab a drink let's grab dinner let's do this and solidifying those relationships that currently existed meeting new people getting introduced to a lot of other people that i never heard of and then the weirdest thing for me was walking around the conference center and everyone would be like will slickers I'm I'm so and so from the X, Y, and Z company. I'm like, I have no idea who that is, but nice to meet you. Like we're big fans of the show. And it's like, this is crazy. Like that was happening everywhere. And then all these other people were either having a podcast already, because as we all know, 2020, 2021, everyone started a podcast almost. A lot of them aren't here today because you could tell what their real goal with that podcast was, which was to do sales. And we all know sales in a podcast format is not instant
1: it, it, t- it takes time right so and most people tune those out anyway
0: 100 percent. and like you you really have to deliver a good message right like i think a lot of people underestimate that they, they they make it all about themselves if you're giving if you're being take 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 and you're not doing give 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 it, it really is a turn off for anyone um so i'm at this conference sponsors want to meet Potential sponsors want to meet and sign up and do all this stuff. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is too much for my show. I can't do it. These other podcasters ask, asking, you know, what's your, what do you do for equipment? What do you do for streaming? What do you do for editing? What do you do for this? How do you get better guests? How do you like, there's all these questions that go in behind a podcast. And I was helping them out. And at the end of the day, I was like, look, we're all doing really good things. I can tell who's in the podcast journey for the right reason. That's to provide value. That's to create a voice for their industry or for their segment or for just people like them. And so that idea of a network kind of came back and I kind of bounced the idea off the guys again and said, hey, do you think you would be interested? And everyone was like, no, I'm, I'm too busy with this. I'm too busy with that. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to do it myself. And they are said, we support you. We'll sign up um, in order to kind of get the thing started. And then I reached out to everyone that was at that conference and said, Hey, I know you're starting a podcast. I know you have a podcast. This is what we're doing. And I built out hospitality FM from a standpoint of what are the pros and cons of networks. So if you look at like barstool sports, or if you look at uh, gimlet, or if you look at, um, there's another one, uh, blue wire, like all these different sports or podcast networks, the biggest pros and cons were, you get the backing of a network. So you have you know the equipment, the streaming services, the all the support that you could ever think of on the back end production, all that sponsorship placement, but you lose creative control. You lose who you get to talk to and what you get to talk about. And I didn't want to do that. I knew how much I've loved doing this the last few years that uh, I didn't want to do that. So we said, we're going to take that away. We're not going to tell you who to talk to, what to talk about, but we're going to give you all the support and backing in this sense. And it's already evolved so quickly, but we started off with, I think six shows and now uh, on the website and on the platform, we're at 10, but we have 19 signed and ready to onboard. So oh, wow, we we'll jumping pretty quickly, but yeah, that does that kind of answer.
1: That answers me? it very well. I mean, all you, right. you saw what it was and that's what I liked. I don't even know how we've been signed up to work together now because it's gone so fast, but mm. How, 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 does it come? How do you think about that?
0: Uh, I remember cause it was, uh, you posted on LinkedIn and I, I'm a bit, I've been a big fan of yours, uh, from COVID when I discovered you, I was like, Mr. Miami, like this guy knows what's up. <laughs> and, uh, I just remember you, I think you posted, I'm looking to start a podcast. Anybody out there have any tips, tricks or anywhere to, uh, direction to
1: point me. That's right. I remember that.
0: And I saw my business partner, Adam commented. And then I saw a couple other people in the industry and I was like, you know what? I'll just put my two cents in there and it was like, Hey, I'd love to meet with you. This is what we're doing. would love to help and support. And we did a meeting together and you're like, yep, I'm in, I'm yep. So, you know, we, we went back and forth a little bit afterwards and then boom, here we are.
1: You see, it just goes back to putting it out there and saying you want to try something and and trusting that people are good and will help. Yeah, Right. That's oh, how it, was, it is.
0: It was literally the timing was perfect. Cause if you posted that a year ago we we be like, Hey, I can give you some tips and tricks, but that was it. Like, you're you're on your own. <laughs> like, have yeah. fun like fun figuring it out. But uh no, it's really cool to work collaboratively together. I think we're all doing something super different and unique. And we're the only podcast media network in this in the industry. Like there's no other hospitality networks for this specific niche of podcasting. So it's really cool just to see the beginning of it. The the power users such as yourself and other podcasts have joined up to support it and now really just getting to the scale that we're gonna be at.
1: So not not to make like an interview question because I always hate that like where do you see yourself in five years? But like where do you want this to go? Like how do you see this evolving? Because you said it grew super fast. Yeah. Right. To say you have 19 now signed up is awesome.
0: Well, like yeah, it's become a real company too. Like I have two employees on payroll, and we're doing like some big partnership deals and whatever. Yeah. The answer of that question, where do I see it going? You know, I definitely want us to really hone into quality. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of good podcasts out there. I think it's becoming very trendy or fatty to start a podcast. Everyone's doing it. And the number one thing I see people recording on and doing like, granted, I started out with a $20 mic and a $5 intro and outro thing that I paid on Fiverr to, to have done. So I get it. Like at, you're, you're very limited in the beginning, but the number one thing I see is people on AirPods or like, you know, some other, headphone that's just really bad audio quality and like clubhouse with that that take off in the audio there uh, i just saw that the quality of content is good in some cases but the quality delivery sucks so it's like horrible audio you have constant like like stuff like that even though it's not this is a great mic so it doesn't really do much but long story short i was just like okay we want to we want to advance that so how can we create a new standard how can we raise the bar and the barrier entry level you know, I don't want just any Joe mode, the thing like I can teach you how to make a million dollars on Airbnb. I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to be fully financed by these big companies and just kind of get away with like that, you know, that, that selfish motivation. So for us in the next five years, I definitely see us being in every segment of hospitality. We're going to be creating a ton of content and shows um, based around certain topics or niches. I uh, can already tell you, we have like three in production right now that are, solely based off of what the audience on HFM has already told us they want. So kind of going to the Jeff Bezos uh, point where, you know, in the beginning, every customer experience, complaint or request was pretty much granted. It was like, all right, we can do that. We can build Mm -hmm. it. So like an example, something super simple that we should have had on the site, like from launch in December was a search bar, search widget. So anyone could search, you know, tech stack or housekeeping or whatever. Is there's so many topics you can go into, yeah, but, uh, are
1: just broad things of anything. Uh, I want to hear everything about res, revenue management.
0: Yes, exactly. So that was a simple feature that two people were like, "Hey, I love all these shows. These are great, um, but it would be super nice if I could search based off of what I'm like trying to figure out in my own business." And I was like, "Okay, dope. Let's do it." So I think it's not it's not really a solid answer to your question, but in five years, I see us working with big companies like Marriott, Airbnb, Verbo, whoever, in the bigger mainstream space. In order to to really bring the bigger voice of audio and hospitality to the world i think that's my my biggest goal is like giving the industry that is so big but so small like when i tell people friends i'm just meeting or even like family members hospitality they they don't quite understand what's involved in hospitality Mm -hmm. they think of a hotel they think of a restaurant but they don't really know the inner workings on the B2B side, and so I think really giving that that side of voice is uh, my big goal and mission.
1: I love hearing that, man, and it's so much fun, right? So I started now just a couple months ago, and just being able to meet people, like you said, the first time someone reaches out to you to be mm-hmm. on your show was like, yeah, wow, all right, this is something cool. Or you know, That's people exciting. saying, "When is you know, I can't wait to hear," and I'm going to be you know listening. It's exciting to to share those things with people it's like i don't know about you but do you feel like you're always learning like
0: i I feel like i've learned so much more from my podcast guests than i'm like i'm really there just to kind of steer the direction of the conversation But at the end of the day they're providing all this great knowledge and perspective and in-depth just conversation that it's just like oh i walk away from a lot of them just kind of
1: i do them. and i started using some of it right so like like me, I got, I was lucky enough to get to an executive level at a major hotel and I have a vacation rental company that I run. So I'm in both sides of the world. And then I'm like some of these general managers and like, I was interviewing a guy named Brian Proctor who I never met, great guy. And yeah. he was vice president of Starwood overseeing 20 hotels, right? Like yeah. almost a billion dollars in revenue. And we're just yeah. chatting and learning from him of how he used to do all of that. Just amazing to, to hear these things, but it wouldn't have ever happened if you didn't just start yeah. And put it out there. So I always tell people that just get started. But if they were on my team, I think of one gentleman who's an artist. And I just said, look, just go out and be an artist and do it. And now he's crushing it yeah. and doing great. Right. You just never know what it is, but just start doing something.
0: Well, and a lot of the times, like if you just start doing, it and you find that you don't like it. Guess what? You can make that decision to stop. Like right. if you're not happy and you're not feeling energized from what you're doing, it's okay to say, Oh, this wasn't the right choice. Like you can change your mind. I think that's the hardest part in entrepreneurship or just in using a creative outlet. Like I think so many people get so, I already said it. I already published it on LinkedIn. I already posted about it. I can't go back. I can't stop now. Yeah, you can. It's your life. You can stop if it's not energizing you. Like that's a big, important thing. Like there's some so many things I posted that you know I started doing and then realized, oh, this isn't the direction I want to go or I'm just not passionate enough about it to keep go- keep doing it.
1: Yeah, I think that's great advice, right? Because yeah. there's so many people who will stick with something until it crashes and burns or they crash and burn themselves, Yeah, right? It's sure. just not for them what they want to do. But, you know, I want to go back to this. So you've done all these things and really it's just a short amount of time, right? Yeah. It's since you yeah. started at front desk, right? So I want, I want to do this. So going back and looking back, you have Will starting at the front desk. What advice would you give him looking back all the things that you've learned? What would you give him now saying this is what you should be doing or this is what you should look out for what advice would you give to young will
0: You're gonna make me emotional just thinking about <laughs> it. um no man um like i said i struggled with depression a lot in my earlier life um i made some bad choices leading up you know out of high school and, and even in high school i didn't know who i was honestly mm-hmm. i was the seventh child of seven. Uh, I had all these expectations put on my life in the sense of what I needed to do for a living, how I needed to act around certain people, uh, what I need to say, where, think, feel all this stuff. And, um, if I could go back to front desk, will, I would say none of that shit matters. And excuse me, if I can't swear on the pie, oh, you can,
1: I saw it's open.
0: Okay. Um, none of that shit matters in the sense of, don't live your life off of other people's expectations. I think I probably would have started the podcast sooner, but granted, like it's so hard to put like advice into the perspective that we have now. Cause like, I'm super thankful for the timing and everything the way it was and is uh, the good and bad, because it kind of got me to this point. But if I could change one thing is say, stop living your life of, uh, off of other people's expectations for you and do what makes you happy. Try everything. Um, that you think is going to provide value in the sense of, of fulfillment and creativity and passion and love and all this other stuff. I, if I did that a little sooner, I think I would have not struggled with depression and, and kind of who I was as a person through, throughout that time. So that, that would be my biggest advice is to just try everything and don't live off of it. anybody else's thoughts of how you should live.
1: I love it. And I think, Will, that's a, a perfect place to end this podcast. It's a great advice for anyone listening to the show and listeners. If you want to connect with Will, where can they find you, Will?
0: You can go to hospitality.fm or you can email me at Will with one L. That's W I L at slicktalkmedia.com.
1: Well, Will, listen, I appreciate you, my friend. Like You know, I consider you my friend now. We've just recently met this year, but I love talking to you every time we chat. It's always exciting. And I can't wait to see you again in Miami down here in October. And, you know, for everyone listening, Will's really creating something special. Check out hospitality.fm. I'll be on there. You've got now 19 shows on there for you to learn from. I learned a ton every time I, I listen in. So, Will, I appreciate you being on the show. I'm proud of you. And uh, I can't wait to do more with you.
0: Well, thanks for joining the family. And I can't wait to continue our growth together, my friend. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your podcast.